Welcome, friends, to the PW Fan Podcast. The PW Fan is a pro wrestling podcast created by fans for fans, and we appreciate you joining us for episode three, the AEW All Out Extravaganza. I am your host, representing the old school wrestling fan and your local tonsorial artist, the slick back slinging slasher, Tim Gilbert. And I'm your host, the architect of wrestling podcasts, Andy. I'm also your host, the no-selling indie wrestling fan, Jeremy. All right, guys, we have another great show planned for you today. We're going to be talking about AEW All Out. But uh, before we do that, let's go over some housekeeping notes from last episode. We forgot to mention a couple important things in the world of wrestling. Uh, Number one, actually all three of these have to do with NWA. Uh, Chelsea Green won the NWA Empowered Tournament, so we want to say congratulations to her. And congratulations to Billy Corgan for having the first ever all-women's pay-per-view. And uh, also, on that same night, Awesome Kong retired. So, say congratulations to her, and I enjoyed watching her over the years, and she's a legend. Also, the next night, on the pay-per-view for their uh, NWA's regular pay-per-view, Trevor Murdoch won the NWA championship from Nick Aldis. So that's another congratulations. A lot of big NWA stuff that we failed to uh, go over and mention. So now we got all that out of the way. Uh, Guys, before we get into All Out, is there anything from Raw and SmackDown you would like to cover from this week? Andy, do you have anything worth going over? Yeah. So after SmackDown and Raw this week, we found out at least five matches from their upcoming Extreme Rules pay-per-view. We got Charlotte Flair going against Alexa Bliss, Bobby Lashley versus Randy Orton, Damian Priest versus Sheamus, Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch. So we're finally getting that match we should have gotten at SummerSlam. And then we're having a rematch of Roman Reigns versus Finn Balor. I also want to say tomorrow night, this Friday, I believe Brock Lesnar is returning. So you guys should tune in to that and see uh, Ponytailed and Bearded Brock. I'm excited to see that. All right, Andy, let's jump right into All Out, man. Uh, Let's take us through the card and start from the beginning. All right, so I'm really excited about going through all this. It was a great pay-per-view overall, I thought. The pay-per-view opened up with a TNT title match of Mira versus Kingston. I thought it was hard-hitting. There was lots of chops back and forth. Eddie sold his lower back throughout the entire match. Uh, The ref stopped Eddie from throwing Miro into the exposed turnbuckle. Then Miro hits a low blow, a kick to the head, and then another high kick, and your winner was Miro. I thought it was a good opening match. Yeah, it was a great opening match. I just have to say one thing. This pay-per-view, I think, for all of us, we thought it was the most perfect perfect pay-per-view that we've seen, I think, for me, at least in a decade, I think. Or as long as I've been alive, since it hasn't only been 28 years. This opening match started all with uh, Kingston bringing the energy out of the crowd, and then kind of a weird interesting angle at the end where the ref is kind of screwing Kingston out of the end where he's just kind of following the rules but it's kind of always give and take with AEW with the ref and the rules but when kind of blocks the turnbuckle at the end there for Kingston to throw uh, Miro into and then uh, Miro ends up winning after that so I'm I'm glad they are running it back uh, after this past tournament but yeah I was love this opening match I really love the match um I, th- I suppose we should just get this out of the way for tonight. If you're just tuning into the show, on the first two episodes, we've covered a couple things about the star ratings. I'm just going to get this out of the way here. Every match 
on this show was either four stars or above. So I don't think that's either even worth mentioning here today. But uh, I love the match. I thought it was hard-hitting. I didn't know Eddie Kingston was that good of a worker because I'll be honest, I hadn't seen much of his stuff. I knew he was great on the mic. I love the way he talks. It's so natural. It sounds like it because it is. It's just him being him. Um, but I didn't know that he can really go in the ring. And Miro really surprised me. I mean, I know him more as the Rusev character. And I don't remember him having a lot of banger matches in WWE that like really stick out. But this one was really good. And this is a show full of good matches. And I still think this one was really good. It was definitely a good pairing, I'd have to say, between the two. Yeah, absolutely. So, following that, we had John Moxley versus T- Satoshi Kojima. Satoshi Kojima is a 30-year vet. I remember one point uh, in this match, both bit each other on the on the forehead, I believe, when they were in the corner. In order to beat Kojima, Moxley hit him with two paradigm shifts, and afterwards, Minoru Suzuki came out. Both exchanged elbows. They were smiling at each other. I'm guessing because, you know, they just like the brutality of it all. And after an exchange between them, uh, Suzuki hit a pile driver on Moxley and laid him out, which set up their match for this past Dynamite. Love this match also. Hard hitting. I'd never seen Kojima before, so uh, that was all. it's always nice to see someone new and see how they work, but I liked it a lot. Yeah, me too. I've never seen him work before either, and I thought this was another great match, as you said, and when Suzuki came out afterwards, the pop that he got, and I love that everyone knew, you know, who he was, and they knew his theme song as well, they were singing it, which is part of why I love AEW crowds, they sing everyone's theme songs, and then him and Moxley in the ring, uh, you know, it was a great stare down, and then they had the back and forth with the forearms, and I'm pretty sure Moxley was busted open already then. You know what's so funny about Moxley? I, I'll just throw in my thoughts real quick. I I enjoyed the match as well, um, just like the two of you did. I'm not really familiar with the other guy's work. This is my first time seeing him wrestle just like you guys. Uh, I did think that it was cool that the crowd had a lot of respect for him. It just goes to show why it's really neat that the Forbidden Door has been broken and now all these cool dream matches can happen and there's fans from all over the world that you know they get to see their guy wrestle john moxley and it's it's an exciting time for wrestling i'm really enjoying being a fan and all the potential stuff coming up you know what's funny too is it's almost like they're doing john moxley versus new japan he's just like fighting like new japan legends and it's interesting to me because years and years ago uh, at this point uh, he did an interview. I Actually, Andy, we listened to it together at one point. He did an interview with Cole Cabana when Cole Cabana was still doing the Art of Wrestling podcast where he said he doesn't like getting hit hard. He said that he gets frustrated when he goes out and gets these into these long knockdown drag-out battles. And on the show, he said, you don't have to hit me. We don't have to do that. Anything I've seen with him in AEW, he's either wrestling a violent match or he's doing a like a strong style puro type of match, and I'm just maybe I I'm like maybe you do kind of like that a little bit, <laughs> you know? Yeah, he makes it seem like he does like it to feel like an actual fight, you know. So coming up next, we had the AEW Women's Championship match: Britt Baker versus Chris Statlander. 
The winner was Britt Baker. She hit a Pittsburgh Sunrise, a curb stop, and then tapped out Statlander with a lockjaw. I thought it was the right move to keep the title on Baker. Uh, it definitely was too would have been too soon, in my opinion, to take it off of her. But Chris Statlander is definitely a future champion. Just right now is not her time. I thought it was a good match, though. Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of the theme of the show where every match is good, at least good, and if not great. So, I mean, Britt Baker is going to be a huge star in the next, this year, and also going forward. And I think that they should keep the title on her for you know, probably a little bit longer. Um, later in the show, there is someone who I want to take the title, but I don't know if she will yet. But yeah, Britt Baker, and also using the curb stomp, I love that. And just the way that she carries herself as a champion is that really uh, kind of shows the importance of the women's championship, which I thought was interesting. They would put the title match where it was in the show because I thought it would be later in the show, but it was still a good match. Yeah, I love the match as well. And, you know, we're coming off two really hot matches. And this one was not a cool-down match whatsoever. I mean, the two of them went out there and put on a great show. Britt Baker's awesome. I really think that she's the face of their division right now. I think there's going to be another face here soon, like Jeremy was saying. Uh, I don't want to ruin anything yet, but I love Britt Baker as the heel character. What do you guys think about her? As the Like, her with Tony Schiavone and her doing the dmd catchphrase and i just love everything about her heel character i think she plays it perfectly sometimes she's like a cowardly heel she has her two goons uh jamie hater and rebel you know i think she does a good job as that uh as that heel yeah i mean she's probably the best heel they have right now i think other than the elite but she's almost kind of that cool heel where you kind of want to cheer for her, but then, you know, she does it just enough where she's going to get booed. Yeah, and and people love that DMD catchphrase. So moving forward, we have what I would like to say was the best match on the show, if not one of the best matches on the show, because all the matches were very, very good. But we ha- We're going to have to keep saying that over and over again. <laughs> yes, we are. Every match... Y'all, if you're listening, every match was amazing. Go If you haven't seen this pay-per-view, f- find a way to watch it. So we had the Tag Team Championship match in a steel cage, Lucha Brothers versus Young Bucks. Now, I don't know about, I don't know about you guys, but this match felt really long, but it was a good feel to me. But it was actually only 22 minutes long. That's crazy. When I heard that, I was like, I thought it was at least 40 minutes. <laughs> No, and I thought so too, but it was only 22 minutes long. And they could have kept going for all I cared. I mean, I was so invested in it by the end. So getting into it, at one point, I'm just going to, you know, push forward to the end. But at one point, Matt Jackson uh, puts on a tennis shoe that has thumbtacks in it. He's going to go for a kick to Ray Phoenix, but Penta sacrifices himself. And gets it was the Travis Scott shoe for all the sneakerheads listening. <laughs> oh, was it? Yeah, a very expensive shoe. People were freaking out that oh, he did that. God, I bet they were. So Penta sacrifices himself to get kicked instead of his brother, Ray Phoenix. Uh, at one point, Penta hit a Canadian Destroyer off the top rope to Matt Jackson, which was pretty crazy to me. They do, uh, a tr- I would call it a chop circle, which turned into a super kick circle. Uh, at the very end, Ray Phoenix did a crossbody off the top rope, and Matt Jackson got spiked with a uh, pile driver. 
The winners were Lucha Brothers, and they are your new tag team champions. Thought it was a great decision. Thought it was Lucha Brothers' time to finally have the titles since being in the company from the beginning. Amazing, amazing match. I can't say you know more about it. It was match of the night for me. It was everything that you were kind of hoping for in this match. And I, w- I will say that I was just a little bit nervous before this match. To hopefully the Lucha Bros were not going to kill themselves in trying to do too many crazy things. Because their uh, cage in AEW is like a skyscraper. I mean, when Phoenix jumped off and did the crossbody at the end, he jumped off the top and went higher than the cage and came down. It's just insane to me that uh, he's that comfortable up there. And they asked him afterwards in the media scrum. I think it was like that little kid they have asking questions and he was like are you do you ever get nervous or do you get scared doing anything he just he just said nope and that was it (laughs) and that's exactly what it shows and all of what they do but i I thought this was more uh, more story than anything that the young bucks and lucha bros had in the match before and i think it made it that much better with all their crazy flips and kicks and everything involved in it i definitely would say that my favorite type of tag team wrestling is more the ftr style but Come on, how can you not love this match? This, These four guys went out there, they put everything on the line. It was super entertaining. And for that style of wrestling, hey, name two other tag teams that do that better than what they did. And they left it all out there, put their bodies on the line. This was the match I was referring to that, for me, was a five-star. Um, on this show, we don't do over five stars. That Me, personally, I just think that's kind of silly. But for that's a, it was a fantastic match the crowd loved it they were doing things out there that were blowing my mind so i thought it was excellent and one of the reasons that people don't like those type of matches sometimes like the old school guys is because they say they do too many moves and then you lose the crowd but they didn't lose the crowd at all during this match no matter how many moves they were doing yeah that's one of the the cool things about i would say chicago in particular is and we'll get into that crowd more but that crowd at All Out that night gave it their all, just like the performers gave it their all. I feel like throughout the show, we were texting, and I said, man, I really hope the crowd doesn't get burnt out because they're going so hard. And they just kept hanging in there and hanging in there. And it, it was one of the coolest, like, from a crowd like reaction kind of stuff, it was one of the coolest shows I've ever seen. Yeah, from start to finish for... You know, like a four-hour-long show, they gave those performers everything that they had. So uh, it was really awesome to see. Pat on the back to the Chicago crowd. You guys are awesome. I mean, we were exhausted just watching it. Imagine being there. Yeah, I was tired. <laughs> uh, so coming up next, we had the Women's Casino Battle Royal. I'm just going to go straight to the end when the Joker spot uh, came out to the ring. Ruby Soho, formerly known as Ruby Riot, d- made her AEW debut. The final two in the match were Ruby and Thunder Rosa. I felt like it came down to exactly the two people that it should have in the end. Uh, I love both women. You know, I think they're both really great, and I would love in the future to see a singles match between them two. I think it would be really good. But in the end, your winner and new number one contender for the AEW Women's Championship is Ruby Soho. Yeah, she's actually becoming one of my favorites already. Just the way that uh, the vignettes she did uh, before um, debuting and the way I was, was always a fan of her in-ring work. 
and thought she was a great worker. And also seeing kind of behind the scenes uh, videos that AEW showed afterwards, and just her being very emotional and saying that she when she went to Tony Khan and basically asked like, "What kind of character do you want me to be?" or anything like, "How do you want me to be in AEW?" and he was just like saying, "Be yourself." And which is every kind of performer as a creative person's dream of hearing that. And so you can see the emotion from her when she walked out and the crowd was going insane for her, like already before she was debuting. And so, I, you know, it meant a lot. And then uh, her winning, I love that AEW actually just listens to their crowd and actually pulls the trigger on the people that they want and not make them wait or just say, this isn't the right person for us. Because uh, Ruby Zoho is going to be a huge star, I think. Yeah, she's awesome. I, what a cool debut. Crowd was super excited for her. Uh, they were loving it. I did not expect her to win. I wanted her to win. I kept saying to Andy, I said, I hope she comes out and wins. But part of that was a little bit of wishful thinking. And last week's episode, when we did our predictions, Jeremy, who did you think was going to win, Jeremy? I went with Anna, Anna J, but she was out <laughs> like the middle of it. Yeah. Oh, am, I the only, am I the only one that called Ruby Soho out of us three? Well, I I, I went with, I agreed with you as well. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. I think I said if she debuts, which I'm pretty sure she's gonna. Yeah, and I think the only thing that I have a problem with is kind of their structure of this casino battle royale, uh, just because the when the shuffle of the deck comes out and then it says whatever spades or hearts, and then it's really fast for the entrances, and they basically have to sprint down to get into the ring before their song cuts cut off. And so I don't know if there is, I don't know the answer to it, but there you know, could be a better way of presenting each person like in a timely manner, I guess. Yeah, it did feel a little quick. And then obviously the Joker's not going to get uh, revealed until the end. So it's, you know, ev- the crowd kept reacting every time, like, who's going to come out? Who's going to come out? And I, I just kept thinking, well, they're not, they're not going to come out right now. They're gonna wait. They're gonna wait until the last person. Because I was seeing how everybody was walking quickly down the ramp. I was like, if she does come out, there's no way this is how she debuts. Where she like just quickly sprints down the ramp, and that's not what happened. So yeah, her her debut was awesome, and I'm super happy for her. And her jacket. Was yeah, awesome. what a cool jacket. What a cool look. Uh, Andy and I, a couple times, I've seen her second row. I've gone to local NXT shows when they were doing their tours and. I've seen her second row, and the, from from seeing her doing that uh, to where she is now, it's so awesome. So next we had Jericho versus MJF. This is their fourth match against one another, and the stipulation this time was if Jericho loses, he never wrestles in AEW again. I thought it was an excellent match. I thought it was my favorite out of the series that they've had. Uh, MJF sold his lower back. There was a lot of good false finishes. At one point, the ref thought that MJF won, even though Jericho put his foot on the ropes. So the match gets restarted. And then Jericho wins with a wall of Jer- Walls of Jericho, which I haven't seen him do, or at least f- win with that move in a while, at le- or at least since uh, being in AEW. thought it was a great match, though. Yeah, I agree. It was probably the best out of their four matches they had. I love the ending, though, the false finish and the three count, and then MJF thinking he won, because MJF is such a good heel that, like, even though we know everything, try to know everything going behind the scenes and kind of picking up on characters and everything, 
I still hate him just because of who he is, like how he carries himself and what all the stuff he says. It's like no matter what kind of fan you are, you're not gonna like MJF, and that's the reason why he's probably the best heel in the business right now. He fits that role perfectly. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't break character through the DVD commentary. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I love hating MJF, which means he's doing his job. That's a that's a that's a Tropic Thunder reference. <laughs> that was the best match that they had of the of the few that they did, and I thought this one, the ending, I preferred way more. I wanted to see MJF. MJF tap out the whole time and now that he finally did it makes it that much more satisfying uh Jericho I thought they were both going hard in this match there was a good pace to it I I really liked the match yeah I I think at one point MJF hit uh Jericho with the Judas effect you know he did it to him um oh that was good yeah I I actually thought they might end it there they got me but I think if I'm not mistaken, Jericho's back on tour with Fozzie now, so I don't think we're going to see him for a little while. Yeah. So I'm curious to see what he gets involved in when he comes back. But that was a good little send-off for a break, I think. Yeah, and it's nice to actually have breaks in AEW because they're, they're rost- I think they're up to like 80 male uh, wrestlers now on their roster. So they have plenty of the... It's like they can shuffle people around, you know. Yeah, you yeah. don't need to see everybody all the time. That's the thing. Like, it makes it more special if... You know, if you don't, I'm, I know they're doing it right now because it's getting viewership. But eventually, if you don't see CM Punk or D- Brian Danielson every single week, and you know maybe they come back in a few weeks, it, it makes you miss them a little bit more. So, but then it also in during that time it gives some other people time to shine. Like I hope they'd start doing more with Brian Pillman Jr., which it looks like they're going to. But we'll get into that. Well, that that um, reminds me though of what we just talked about. In the interview that Ruby Soho did after the pay-per-view, she said one of the things that attracted to her towards uh, AEW is that every week they were showing a different girls, you know, different girls in different matches instead of seeing the same matches with the same girls week after week after week. You know, they really gave everyone a chance to do their own thing. So they, de- I mean, they definitely have been doing that also with the males as well, but. You know, some of the bigger stars going away. Definitely, there's a spot to, now to fill during that time off. So what was up next? Up next was a match us fans have been waiting seven years to see. We had Punk's first match in seven years against Darby Allen. Punk, com- Punk comes out. He has new gear. He's wearing tights instead of, you know, the short underwear. It wasn't a super fast-paced match. It didn't need to be. It did have some fast moments, but overall it was a solid wrestling match. You know, it, it was the complete opposite of the Lucha Brothers versus Young Bucks match, you know. Uh, I, one of my favorite moments in the match, I thought it was a really smart thing done, was Darby went for a coffin drop and Punk just sits up casually. Darby just hits the ring, completely misses it. Punk goes for a GTS, but uh, I don't believe he, he hit it that time. But still, the whole setup part, uh, I kind of popped for. The finish of it was Darby went for a Poison Rana, and Punk turned it into the GTS. Darby sold that GTS very well. He, to me, looked like he was knocked out, or at least sold it that way. So, one, two, three, Punk wins. Afterwards, Sting comes out. He shakes Punk's hand. Crowd's chaining Darby. Then Darby gets up. And Punk and Darby shake hands. 
as Sting would say, mucho respect. Mucho respect. <laughs> I thought it was a very good match. I thought Punk looked great. Uh, I know, I'm sure he had been doing some training beforehand, but I'm really excited to see who they pair him up with in the future. Yeah, can we just take a second and we're, we're just realize that we're talking about a CM Punk match in 2021? Yeah. That's insane. Right, it's crazy. And, and it was a solid match, too. I mean, I don't think, I think people forget the style that he has, and it's more old school and it's slower pace, but there is very good storytelling that he does. And just, like, the perfect example is the coffin drop spot where he just sits up. It's just, like, the perfect counter to it because you all that's really all you have to do to uh, counter it. And the, <laughs> the smile and the laugh that he does. And then the um, the G- GTS, uh, I thought that was perfect. And Dar- yeah, Darby is perfect at selling that because you can throw Darby around and he'll sell anything, really. But I'll let Tim talk about this, but didn't they kind of, have sequences compared to was it Bret Hart and the one two three. So there's a classic match between uh, Sean Waltman and at the time he was the one two three kid. Uh, if you're a casual fan, you would probably know him better as X Pac. But at the time he's one two three kid. Him and Bret Hart have this match, and basically the story of the match is he's helping one two three get over to the fans by making him look really good one two three kid is getting the best of bret hart in certain holds and certain sequences of the match there's a spot in the punk derby match where they lock up and then i think it is a arm drag yeah i think it's an arm drag and punk has this look on his face like huh he got me and that sequence is almost move for move the exact thing that one two three kin and brett did and i think that he punk being punk and being uh, a wrestling historian added a couple of those sequences in uh, as respect and then also as just like a fun easter egg for people who would notice it uh i'm gonna cut a little bit of a promo here for a second just on some stuff that i've seen online okay there's a lot of people that said punk says he's the best in the world this is my first time seeing him wrestle i how is that the best in the world? When Punk says that he's the best in the world, he's saying that he's the best wrestler in the world. Not at the best at doing backflips or tope suicidas or whatever else. Like I said, I thought the Young Buck match was Young Bucks match was fantastic, amazing, breathtaking, dangerous, all of the above. But that's not what CM Punk does. And if you're a younger fan and you thought that's what he did, I, I'm I'm sorry. I would hope that you would go back and watch some of his stuff beforehand. But what CM Punk is great at is real old school professional wrestling, talking on the mic and getting people to come to the show and be invested into the show. And he does all that without having to do any sort of crazy moves or, and he does do cool moves. Just give him a chance. He's had one match. I mean, come on. Well, I remember seeing a comment online about the match someone was like it was too slow i was just like jeez dude it's not the lucha brothers match and young bucks match was great but if you're a fan of them you know exactly what you're getting into you know both styles you know exactly how it's gonna be not every match has to be super quick you know flip you know back and forth like that 
It was a wrestling match. Did you really think that you were going to see a 40-something-year-old guy do, like, a corkscrew moonsault or whatever? He didn't even do that stuff when he was in his 20s. Yeah, That's exactly. not his thing. And also, the point of AEW is having variety. So you have, like, the high-flying, like, the Lucha Bros, and you go to CM Punk, and it's amazing storytelling wrestling. And that's what I've come to realize as being the fan who likes the older stuff. I'm not so jaded. Look, I, I do listen to Jim Cornette's show, and I have a lot of respect for Jim Cornette. But I'm not to the point where I can't watch that or enjoy it because I realize that there is it can work in the same setting. For instance, and I know I talk about this tag team all the time, but you can have an FTR tag style match, and they can work a classic tag style match with the tag rope and doing that. And then on the same show... You can have the Young Bucks style match, and they can coexist in that world, and I can still enjoy both. I can suspend disbelief enough to, and also just know, like, hey, this is what Young Bucks do. This is their thing. This is what Lucha Bros do. So there was something for everyone on that show. Exactly. Yeah, and that's the whole point. There's the variety is the best part about AEW. And there's no AEW style or anything like that. Everyone brings their own thing to the table. You know, and because of that, you you know, as a fan, you might see stuff you haven't seen before or style work that you haven't seen before. Yeah, everyone's just being themselves. The cool moment right after the match uh, when Sting, Sting came down and then Punk and him shook hands. And there was like the interview after the match uh, Punk did. And he said he told Sting that it meant a lot to him. And Sting said, me too. And Punk looked like he was about to kind of tear up a little bit. And he was like, that means a lot from a kid in Chicago hearing Sting say that to him. I think Punk said that that part wasn't even, like, he didn't even know that was going to happen. Sting just ended up coming yeah. down and did that. So that was really cool. Yeah, that's a cool moment. There's so many cool things about wrestling that, you know, when you watch it the way that we do, that you notice little things like that. And I, I don't think that people understand a lot of the time. And I hope the people listening know what I mean when I say, if you really love wrestling and and there's things like that you notice when people at your job or at school or wherever they ask you uh, you know how do you watch that why do you like that it's it, that's the kind of thing that it's so much more and it's so hard to explain to people you know like that's the thing i can't i can't get across to people is watching the respect that the wrestlers have for each other and the story and you know that cm punk was this little chicago kid and he probably grew up watching sting now he's you know, one of the most famous wrestlers in the world, but in the, on the inside, he's still, you know, holy, you know, holy crap, this is Sting telling me, you know, that I did good, and he's shaking my hand. So, yeah, it's hard for people to relate to, but I, I just love that type of thing. Such good, such good wrestling. So after Punk and Darby, we had Paul White's first match in AEW against QT Marshall. Uh, White tossed around QT a little bit. Throughout the entire match, he beat up uh, members of the factory. In the end, Paul White won with a choke slam. It was a quick and simple cool-down match before the main event. It was exactly what it needed to be, and Paul White got his first win. Good for him. Always fun to see a legend back in the ring. Yeah, it did exactly what it needed to, he said. So, I mean, that's what I thought it was going to be, and that's what it was. <laughs> match served its purpose completely. Yeah, it's a cool-down match. There's something about Paul White that makes me sad. He just, like, I just feel sorry for him in a weird way. Like, he has to be the cool-down match on this show, you know. And But I thought the crowd was very respectful, and you can tell it meant a lot to him. Look, at least he's getting more respect here 
Then I remember a few years ago, and I know you remember, he came out on Raw or SmackDown, and he had a match, and the fans were chanting, please retire. That was so awful. So disrespectful. I hated that. I couldn't tell if he was actually like really upset okay. or not, but he looked I like feel it. like now is as good as time as ever. And Jeremy, I want you to leave this in. We have been dubbed by the people the most respectful and positive wrestling podcast, and I want to keep that theme going on this show. Like something like that to me is so awful. I hated it when it happened. I remember telling you, I was just like, I this is rude. This is not right. I think he's getting more respect here for both from the crowd and AEW than he was in WWE at all. Oh my god, for sure. I think he had said in the past he wanted to do a little bit of wrestling more, but you know, the other company just didn't want him on TV at all. Should we move to the main event, though, boys? Yes, sir. So we had Kenny Omega versus Christian Cage for the AEW Championship. Another awesome match. Their match that they had had before was very good as well. One particular spot I wrote down was that table spot that you normally wouldn't see. Christian was on the outside, and Kenny laid the table topside down onto Christian and did a stomp. Uh, and another spot that just popped in my head was Christian spears Kenny off of the edge of the ring through a table, but I think part of the leg or something popped through and Christian landed on it on his ribs and looked like it really hurt him. It like broke through the top of the table. I don't know how to describe it unless you saw the match and saw that spot. It it looked really painful. Yeah. But in the end, uh, Kenny Omega retained the title with, God, I've heard Jericho say he'll never take the one-winged angel again. It shouldn't be that painful. But he gave it to Christian Cage off of the top rope for the one, two, three. Now, after the match, the Young Bucks come out. The Good Brothers and the Young Bucks beat up Christian. The Jurassic Express comes out to help, but they get beat up. Crowd starts chanting, yes. They think they know it's about to happen, but they don't. Kenny Omega gets on the mic, says something along along the lines of, uh, anyone that could defeat him isn't here. What else is it? Is away or is dead? The place goes dark. All of a sudden, Adam Cole Bebe makes his AEW debut. Huge, huge pop. He makes you think that he's going to turn on the Elite for how they ended his Bullet Club run in ROH. But instead, he super kicks Jungle Boy and then hugs the Elite. Matt and Nick Jackson both give him a kiss on the cheek. Kenny comes back on the mic, bids the crowd adieu, and then all of a sudden, Flight of the Valkyries play, a little remix of it. Crowd pops. Brian Danielson debuts. He comes in the ring. It clears out. He beats up Nick Jackson. Soaks in the moment. Pay-per-view ends. Perfect way to end a great, great pay-per-view, in my opinion. To start with the Christian match, I thought Christian did a great job because I think everyone was already kind of thinking after the match already to hopefully Brian Danielson showing up. And the match was pretty, pretty good. I think their first match on Rampage is probably a little bit better, but this one was still very good. And then, yeah, that spot where Christian speared Kenny, and then you can see like he had a cut on his ribs, and you can tell that really hurt him. And then the ending, I thought it was, you know, I was kind of surprised that it wasn't there was 
as clean as it was for Kenny Wedding, but Kenny is, you know, they've shown him to be a very strong wrestler, so that makes sense. And the Adam Cole part got me, because I did not think that he was going to show up tonight, or for All Out. I thought it was going to be later in Dynamite, or maybe, like, down the road, but, yeah, that got me, like, out of my couch. (laughs) It was kind of crazy. They threw everything out the wall in this pay-per-view, man. It was great, though. I was cheesing. Yeah, yeah. And then him coming down, like, I love his thing, so, and then the Adam Cole baby is was the loudest I've heard it in such a long time. And then hearing (laughs) Brian Danielson. And then I think the crowd was just like, didn't know what to think because they were just exhausted and so excited at the same time. Because I know, I think, watching it, I was. And then once he started, uh, you know, beating up Nick Jackson, then the flying knee. And then I like his, uh, the American Dragon character or gimmick better. Because he's a lot more serious, and he's like very much like I'm a wrestler compared to Daniel Bryan and WWE, where he's the happy-go-lucky, smiling, yes chant uh, guy. But yeah, it was a perfect, perfect pay-per-view for me. Yeah, what a great match! I, I love the match. I thought it was awesome. I really like Kenny Omega a lot. Those V triggers are so brutal, and I'm sure they're not. They just look just so good, and the sound that comes along with it is is so brutal. Uh, when Adam Cole came out, I, I couldn't believe it. I did not expect that at all. It was absolutely unbelievable. So excited to have him in AEW. I know we were talking last time. We said, why wouldn't he go? Like, everybody's there. His friends are there. And so, yeah. His girlfriend. When he came out, yeah, it made so much there. sense. Um, and then, of course, Brian Danielson coming out. I mean, we all kind of knew it was going to happen. But to see it now and knowing that... You know, that music in the beginning, it's still going to be a little bit of that Flight of the Valkyrie. And his it's that mixed with the American Dragon character where he wants to kick people's heads off. And, oh, it's so awesome. I, I can't wait for the future of AEW. Now, I guess let's just briefly touch on that. I, I've been reading that one of the big contributing factors of, besides all the other things that we said, that Adam Cole finally decided to just go to AEW's because his creative plans were for him to be a uh, heel manager for for Keith Lee. He basically was going to be uh, the Leo Rush to Bobby Lashley. So you're telling me you take the longest reigning NXT champion who has had Shawn Michaels of the modern era. <laughs> Who both Triple H and Shawn Michaels also vouch for as the future of wrestling, and you make him be a heel manager. I mean, good for him because they could have thrown a lot of money at him. Yeah, but they're making him a heel manager because he's small. I know that's that's, the dumb. That's that's the stupid part about it. Again, I've said it once, said it once, I said it twice. Vince loves big men. He just does. I never understood that. Damn, pal. God, he's huge. It's 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 uh, it's insulting though to do that to someone like adam cole who is an amazing talent i never understood that in pro wrestling when it's a show and then you're gonna say this guy's too small to do anything because there it's not pro wrestling it's it's sports entertainment i guess that's the difference right that made it that made sense now why adam cole was like yeah it was easy easy decision for him easy decision now he's gonna be in this group and the possibilities of endless dream matches for him to have with all these amazing workers. I mean, Adam Cole versus CM Punk, Adam Cole versus Kenny Omega, Adam Cole versus Darby Allen. I mean, Brian Daniel, 
any of these guys. He didn't get to work a lot of these guys in WWE, so it'll be awesome. I thought back to during the, I think two years ago with the Survivor Series coming over, Adam Cole's first match on the main roster was against Daniel Bryan. They did have a match. Oh, that's right. oh yeah. You know, and then, the, and then on Raw, it was against Seth Rollins. He had a match. You know, if we, uh, if you didn't bring that up, somebody was going to call us on that. So yeah. good, yeah. For, good for you for it, remembering. It dawned on me last night when I was watching uh, Dynamite, and I was, I was thinking of some of the pairings, and I was like, I feel like I've seen this before. Speaking of Dynamite, though, do you want to? talk a little bit about you could say the fallout of all out yeah let's talk we'll, last night's dynamite we'll talk about the fallout of all out fallout of all out if you're a listener you know that really what we do on the show is we normally review aew dynamite but all out just was because so, it's the night before yeah it's the night before that, that we and record we, and we kind of feel like it's the 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 big thing happening in wrestling right now and that's where most of our attention is drawn to currently but and all out was so big we just felt like it required most of the episode's attention but we're gonna go and talk about a little bit dynamite like usual we're gonna talk a little bit about dynamite like usual so i'm gonna pass it over to andy and let him go through the notes so last night's dynamite i'm not gonna go through the entire show but just some big moments that came from it the the show opened up with malachi black versus dustin rhodes malachi won now if you've been keeping up with dynamite this all started with a feud he had with Cody Rhodes, and Cody Rhodes, after their quick match, went away for a little while. After this match, they promoted that Cody will be back September 21st, and they will have their rematch. Later on, they uh, CM Punk came out to address his win, and it end- his segment ended with, it seems like he's going to be feuding right now. I could be wrong, but it seems like he's going to be feuding with someone that's in Team Taz, or at least that's how... Taz seemed to, you know, sell it. Yeah, that was kind of awkward, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a little weird. Taz was like, don't mention my name. It's It's like, like, I I didn't, didn't, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It felt very abrupt, but I am looking forward to Punk feuding with a member of his team. Like Ricky Uh, Starks. Potentially. Me and Jeremy have talked about this before, but this Matt Hardy and Orange Cassidy feud is still going on. It looks like they're... Now they're doing a hair yeah, versus hair match. Which, again, this feud and everything about it just seems super random. I don't want to see either one of these guys <laughs> bald. Especially, especially, maybe Matt Hardy needs it. Maybe Matt Hardy's bald in the back. I don't know. Orange Cassidy barely even has like that much hair. It was not going to make that much of a difference. Yeah, I know, right? After that, we had MJF come out, cut a promo, basically making excuses for his loss to Chris Jericho. He starts talking trash about Cincinnati and then looks into the audience. I believe it was Linda Pillman, who I think is his aunt, is Brian Pillman Jr.'s aunt. It's Linda Effen Pillman. Linda Effen Pillman. And the lady with her, was that Brian Pillman Jr.'s sister? Yes. So they're both in the audience. MJF is talking trash to them, which causes Pillman Jr. to come out. Talks about how MJF's in the ring insulting his hometown and his family. And in the end, it looks like they're also going to have a match September 21st. Ruby Soho had a match against Jamie Hayter after that. The winner was Ruby. Afterwards, Britt Baker attacked Ruby Soho, who, as we know, after All Out, is now the number one contender for the Women's AEW Championship. I I thought the match was really good. Oh, yeah. Me too. I, I, you can tell Ruby's very over. 
I mean, the song that she has now, it's like everyone can sing along to it. And also her character in Ring is... I'm really happy for her after seeing her every week and thinking that she should have been treated better on the show or in a better spot. uh, It's really nice to see people that you know have talent be used correctly. That's one of the good things about this business sometimes is other places that might not see your worth. There's always some place out there that, that will... The problem for WWE, a lot of the times, I feel like there are a lot of people that have and do see all these guys worth, but they're not the ones in charge. All They're not the ones all the way in charge, all the way at the top that gets to make the final decision. So there's one guy who's not seeing it in all these people, and everybody else, including the son-in-law and Shawn Michaels and everybody else involved, are seeing it. And it's just unfortunate that it didn't work there, but hey, now they're in AEW and they are going to make a great opportunity for themselves and you can tell just by the look on their face when they walk down the ramp how grateful they are to be there and it's really cool to watch as a fan yeah and ruby in the media scrum afterwards was just very emotional and she her saying after 11 years she's never felt a moment like that when she debuted it all out and it's just you could tell that it means so much to them to be in AEW and i've I heard it before when they first started, where like every every wrestler was like, "This place is different because you know it's such like a family and people care about it and everyone wants the same goals to succeed." And they're like, "Yeah, well, at first you're like it's just like people who were there, but now it's like all these top names, like even Punk kind of said it too." And I'm like, "I guess you know the environment and, and the culture there is just so much different than any other wrestling promotion." She uh she had also said that, which I surprised me but I, I went back and thought about it and I was like yeah she's right during one of her interviews she said that her whole time in WWE she never had a single title and you know now she comes to AEW and she's mm. thrown to the title picture right away she's one person I could see and be okay with taking the belt off of Britt Baker but if she loses, that's okay, too, because Brick Breaker is also a really good champion. So uh, I'm curious where it goes. This is the first time Britt Baker's had, you know, I don't know if this is a hot take, and this is really, really, I really don't mean this as, like, a knock or disrespect to anybody else on the women's roster. But I think this is the first time that Britt Baker's had an equal opponent as far as uh, star level goes, and then also physicality, the type of match they're going to have. She might be more over than Brick Baker. Very over and popular. This is her biggest yeah. opponent yet, and I'm I really want to see this feud. This is the type of wrestling I've been waiting for in the women's division. And look, credit to Riho and like all the people that were there in the beginning doing it. But this is the direction that I was hoping that was gonna yeah. it was gonna eventually go in. Yep, I definitely agree. I think um, the women's division since the beginning has grown a lot, and. In the very beginning, I just didn't... Well, that was that was our one thing, Andy. We would say AEW is great. They just need more... Inter- not international. They had plenty of international women talent in the beginning. They didn't have a lot of that relatable, you know... Or uh, their talent that they had had to just grow and get yeah better over time. But that, that look specifically, and you know what look I'm talking about. There's a, yeah. some women wrestlers that have a look about them, an aura that you're like, this is a star. And it has nothing to do with attractiveness or whatever. It's just something about them. No, it's that it, it's that it factor. 100% agree. And I, both these women right now have it. 
for sure. Oh, yeah. And I think awesome. Thunder Rosa does too. Once they get. Oh my God! Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, that's uh, and again, like I said, I knew we were gonna. I, I hate uh, feeling like we've been like disrespectful or something. How we can't forget Thunder. No, Rosa. I would have been she totally is. fine with her winning that Casino yeah. Battle Royal. Yeah, too. that's the other person I th- either thought was gonna win too. And that was a great ending, having it come down to her and Thunder Rosa. What a cool, what a cool ending. Yeah, like I said, I, it came down to the two people. I think it should have. So I'm, I'm gonna touch on this a little bit even though it has nothing to do with uh, what happened at All Out, but there seems to be some fighting within the Dark Order right now, and someone on commentary said that, you know, they have no leader right now. What do you expect them to do? I'm hoping possibly, you know, you get a little Bray Wyatt in there, settle it down as a tribute to Brody Lee, but, you know, I, I'm pretty sure he is signed, right? So if, if he does come... Bray Wyatt? Yeah, if he does come... Uh, and they don't put him in that spot, I'm sure he'll do great either way. But I think it would be fun to see him as is that leader. Ha- is, has it been confirmed that he is signed? I don't remember. I feel like it oh, has okay. been. Well, you had said it like it was confirmed. Because I, I feel like it has check. been, unless it's just been strongly, strongly hinted at. But it, it's, I think at this point it's almost like the Adam Cole, Bra- uh, Adam Cole yeah. Brian Danielson thing. Like, you know what's going to happen, you just don't know what. So, yeah, I just thought, it, I think it would be, you know, Really cool and a nice tribute to Brody if he ended up. And then they become dark again rather than, you know, this funny gimmick group. I think that's the last, not, I wouldn't say the last person because there's always another, but the other free agent that I'm really curious to see what he does outside of WWE because he's so creative and I don't even know what he, what ideas got shot down in WWE that he could do. Exactly. I was about to say that. Yeah. Who knows what he pitched and couldn't go through. Because I know, I know, for example, we don't have to go too much into this, but I know Malachi Black had a lot of ideas that were shut down that he's now able to do with all the creative freedom that AEW is able to give them. So, Lastly, though, actually not lastly, there's one other thing after that. Towards the end of the show, we had the Elite segment where they introduced Adam Cole Bebe. as their their newest member, and he came out and got on the mic. And then Brian Danielson comes out, which... This time on his Titantron video said the American Dragon. I did notice that. Brian Danielson. I don't know. Yeah, I wasn't sure if you guys had noticed that or not. But he comes out talking some trash to Kenny Omega, saying that how he says he's, you know, the best wrestler and basically what, telling him to prove it. And he asked the crowd if, if they want to see Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson. Everyone's chanting yes. I'm really hoping. It looks like we're going to, but I'm really hoping. We get this match. It's gonna be a banger. It's gonna it's gonna be a barn burner, as they say. <laughs> it's another moment that you're just sitting there like Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega are in the same ring right now. It's a really good time to There's be. There's like a, so a many fan. moments happening like that in AEW. I'm like, what is, is this really happening? That's the thing that I want to get across to maybe some of the listeners who have more complaints about some of this stuff. This. It's really good stuff, really cool stuff, and stuff that I've waited for almost 20 years at this point to start seeing this type of thing again. So, you know, you're not going to hear me, with with some of the bad stuff, I'll, I'll poke fun, but you're not going to hear me say anything bad about a lot of this stuff because it's just, it's just been so fun as a fan to watch it all happen. What you just said, you know, and also I was talking about the, amazing pay-per-view that was 
uh, All Out. Could you quote what Brian Danielson said after All Out about excellent wrestling, or at least on the lines of it? He said, and I quote, he is he firmly believes that you can show anyone excellent professional wrestling and they will enjoy it because excellent professional wrestling is fucking awesome. And I 100% agree. I wish I had a round of applause button. I think, you know, you could have shown anyone, say, that Lucha Brothers Young Bucks match or uh, Kenny and Christian, CM Punk and Darby, any of the matches on that show, you could have shown them and they would have been into it. Or, or at least being like, wow. Yeah. They need to make that quote into a t-shirt. Or at least like when he said at the end of his promo in Chicago, he said AEW, he said, let's fucking go. Like, that needs to be a t-shirt, like yeah. LFG. For yeah, that's what you said in the group chat today, yeah, when Tim sent that picture yeah. over. And th- ironically, that's what we say all the time before we record, and then now, now that's becoming, like, a big thing. It's weird. So the last thing from last night's Dynamite that was related to All Out was the main event, which was John Moxley versus Minoru Suzuki. Moxley was the winner in his hometown in Cincinnati. That was another, you know, hard-hitting match. Uh... They beat they they beat the shit out of each other, guys. Last night, but of course, you know they you you make Moxley win in his hometown, and that's how the show went off the air. Crazy idea to let the person win in their hometown and get a huge pop. Oh, geez, yeah. Whoever thought of that? Lazy booking. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, and hey, I I don't know anything about his opponent last night, but. The guy looks like he's been through some wars. That dude looks like he's had some serious battles. And from what I've read and from what everybody tells me, he's uh, a legend. So so let's close out the show today by just uh, talking a little bit about the PWI rankings for the year. Kenny Omega got the Wrestler of the Year. What do you guys think? Well, Roman got number two. And for the longest time, I thought Roman was going to get number one. It was a hard toss-up this year. I personally... I, w- I wonder how close it was. I personally... I'm going Roman just because of the turnaround he's had with the heel character, the run. I'm not saying Kenny doesn't deserve it because Kenny's amazing, and he also had an amazing run with doing, like, you know, the belt collector stuff. Just something about Roman's heel run to me has been so... Just like, wow, this guy's really come into his own. I, but, I hated Roman before, but I can get behind this one. 100%. I'm okay. I'm okay with, with Kenny. I know, Jeremy, you're probably happy, right? Yeah, I'm glad Kenny got it. Uh, just because I think he does deserve it this year. Because when AEW first started, he wasn't translating that well into an American audience compared to the Japanese style that he wrestled. And I think this year he just really excelled, especially turning heel, which helped him so much. And I don't think people realize when he had all those belts, he had to wrestle basically almost every other day, all those shows, with Impact taping, I think, on Fridays or something like that, and then Wednesday, and then uh, also in AAA. So, I mean, it was a crazy schedule for him. Dude was going around the world. Yeah. But I think that run, I mean, his his top ranking run had, had to have started once he won the championship for Moxley, and then from there... Because, like you said, the stuff he was doing before, you know, I would not put him at the number one list. He's been putting in the work since becoming champion in AEW. 
And also just for that terrible beard that he has right now. <laughs> Them chops. Or not chops, but... Yeah. That lemmy beard. <laughs> yeah. Terribly... Terribly awesome. I love I love heel Kenny. His heel promos are so good. And now I kind of realize that Don, Don Callis doesn't speak for Kenny. He kind of is there as a mouthpiece for the group to be annoying sometimes. But Kenny can speak for himself. I, I think his promos have come a long way, and I'm excited for the future. All I know is that wrestling right now in 2021 is fantastic. I hope you all have been enjoying it. Please follow us along on Instagram at the PW Fan, at Twitter at the PW Fan. We're on YouTube now. Uh, we've had multiple people ask if they could listen to on YouTube. So if you search the PW Fan on YouTube, all episodes will be uploaded in full. And if you are a fan of Funko Pops, follow at the 410 Fan Bros. That's Andy's Funko Pop Collectibles page. Thanks again for listening and join us next week on the PW Fan Podcast. Bye-bye, everybody.